Welcome back to The Middle of Culture. I'm one of your hosts, Eden. And I'm your other host, Peter. Hey, Peter. How you been? Hey, I've been hanging in there, you know. I've had, uh, I mean, work has been work. I've had a few bigger cases in the last couple of weeks, and they went well, so that's always encouraging. Um, but, you know, just kind of doing the things. Boys are in the last month or so of school. and That's uh, exciting. So it is. Uh, will be interesting, though. Um, Highland High School caught fire last week. And is that a school in your area or one that your one of your children goes to? So it is the school that Gareth is going to next year. It is the school that um, geographically my kids should have gone to, uh, but didn't in part because their mom taught out at Century. And sure. You know, it's not the whole thing, so they're going to be able to, I mean, it really was just like one wing of the school, it sounds like. And so I think that for Gareth, things will be uh, okay, but the Highland kids have been doing uh, online uh, school for the last week. And starting Monday, they're going to kind of do the hybrid sort of COVID thing again, where Century students will go to school Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and do online Tuesday, Thursday. And then the Highland kids are going to do online Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and get bussed down to Highland on Tuesday and Thursday. Or to Century? Excuse me. Yeah, to Century. And, you know, I was telling Alex about this last night after they sent out the information. And he just kind of thinks about it for a minute. Then he looks at me and he goes, I'm okay with that. (laughs) <laughs> I think he's Fair. definitely like, sure. You mean I don't have to be in the school building as much for the next four weeks as I was going to? Okay, I can make that work. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone's going to complain too much about that. No. So, you know, that will be good. Uh, and I'm glad that Century was able to help out. Uh, there was some weird, I don't know, something about the reason that Pokey High School couldn't help out. And it didn't make any sense to me in... Whatever, it's okay. Kids probably <laughs> rather go to Century anyway because it's it's newer, it's nicer, it's got a lot more space and stuff. So, but no, that's you know. fair. How about you? How you been doing? Surviving, you know, just also getting ready to wrap up the semester, doing a lot of planning for summer stuff. You know, it, given my current position, summer will be a time of long term projects and waiting (laughs) in a lot of respects because obviously none of these large lecture courses that I work with are um, are taught during the summer. They don't really do large. While they do have some summer classes, none of them are like huge lecture classes and none of the ones that are assigned to us are doing anything over the summer. So, you know, it is, it's about making long-term plans and working on long-term projects Um, But I was in a meeting with my boss earlier today and she was like, so make sure to prioritize taking time off if you need it, because obviously we're not going to be super busy. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Good to know. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So uh, you uh, checked out anything interesting recently that you want to bring up? Well, you know, anything uh, you listened to, anything you you watched or or read or played? So I, I will continue with what has now become the bi-weekly Wheel of Time watch and see update everybody, where is Peter this week? Uh, and this week, I am about two-thirds of the way through the uh, ninth book, Winter's Heart. Now, this is a bit of a, a, a momentous occasion because when I initially started reading the Wheel of Time series, six books were out. And then I read the seventh and then the eighth and the ninth. And I was sufficiently fed up at the end of the ninth with the weight in between and the difficulty in remembering so many different characters and so many different things that Jordan stuffed into these books that that was when I decided I would not read another one until they were all out. So when I get done with book nine and start book 10, it will now be new stuff that I have never read. Oh, so you never got you've never gone back and read the last what did Jordan do one or two after that? You know, so yeah, I read books again I read books 1 through 9, got to the mm-hmm. end of 9 and decided not doing this until 
they're all done until the whole series is done. And uh-huh. then put that off for a number of years. And then again, recently decided. So now I'm back through book nine. And then, uh, yeah, 10 and 11 are the two that Jordan wrote that I had never read. And then I will have the three uh, that Sanderson wrote to finish the series off. So I'm making some headway. Well, that's exciting. Um, you know, really, I think the other thing that I would mention is uh, a number of, you know, a couple episodes ago, when we did our influential albums, I mentioned in my honorable mentions the album Mirror Reaper from the band Bell Witch. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, last Wednesday, Bell Witch announced uh, the clandestine gate, uh, future, I think it's Future Shadow Part One. Uh, the clandestine gate. They announced it on Wednesday and they released it on Friday. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was announced and then suddenly it was out. And as with mirror reaper to really understand, uh, an album that is a single song that is once again, 83 plus minutes long, it's a little bit of investment. It's not something that you, at least for me, that I can just casually put on in the background and really understand. So mm-hmm. Friday night, uh, I put on some headphones and um, just turned off the lights and spent 83 plus minutes listening to The Clandestine Gate by Bellwitch. And um, I, I tell you what, they've done it again. I mean, this duo from Seattle that created this monolithic, really kind of often uh, by many considered this monumental entry into the doom metal genre and, and particularly funeral doom, but really this, you know, this kind of amazing work that they released back in 2017. Uh, I don't know that I would say they've topped it, but I think they have. Uh, they have done a very good job of equaling it, perhaps. And uh, mm. it doesn't feel like Mirror Reaper redux. It feels different enough. There's a, a very strong emphasis on church organ. So there's organ going throughout the whole album. I mean, the first eight and a half minutes is pretty much just organ before oh, wow. the, the bass and the drums and then vocals kind of start to get in you don't get to any harsh vocals until almost halfway through. So, I mean, it's like 40 minutes before you get to any growls and stuff like that. And so again, it, it it's a very different beast than mirror reaper, uh, but it is, uh, it is wonderful in, and very kind of an extremely cathartic way. The uh, rumor is that this is the first in a series of three albums uh, that are all going to be kind of, in a theme, this is dawn. The next one will be noon and the final one will be like sunset or something. And again, one of the rumors is that the third album, it's ending is supposed to basically perfectly tie back into the beginning of this one so that you get this okay. triptych of albums that really creates kind of a four plus hour continuous piece of music. So, uh, I think that's wow. a kind of a cool idea. And, and like I say, it's, it's not easy music. It is in some ways almost the apotheosis of extreme metal in that it is extremely long. It is extremely slow, but, um, it, in a lot of ways, I find it to be really kind of a beautiful piece of, of music. And, uh, I'm thrilled to uh, hear the next two parts because in almost a, I mean, this, I think alone should tell you how good it is. You get to the end and, and purposefully it doesn't really wrap up and resolve because you can feel at the end of, of this first album that it wants to move into something else. And mm-hmm. at 83 plus minutes, I get to the end of it and I'm like, Oh, I want the next, come on, give me, give me the next, like I'm ready for more. Uh, and I think that that's pretty impressive. So I have been the last week, I've uh, been listening to it a lot. I uh, did some wow. big robotic surgery this morning and uh, we made it through 
Uh, we made it through that album, and then we made it through Mirror Reaper, and then we started on another. So it was kind of funny to say I did a three and a half hour case, and it only took we only listened to three songs. That's pretty wild. But uh, what about you? What you been up to? What you been checking out? Yeah. Um, so two things I just kind of wanted to mention. Um, I have really fallen down a hall a hole in music listening in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, of listening to the film scores of the cellist Ernst uh, Ragesager, who does a lot of film scores specifically for Werner Herzog's documentaries. Okay. And specifically, the soundtrack to the to the documentary Cave of Forgotten Dreams, which is this Herzog documentary that is about you know this Neolithic cave cave painting. Uh, cave this cave that's filled with these incredible paintings that were done tens of thousands twenty thousands of years ago um and it is one of the most haunting soundtracks i've ever heard in my life really it's astonishing it's astonishing um and it's just you know it's pretty quiet there's some chamber choir parts to it but it's mostly just organ and cello and maybe a little other instrumentation, but a lot of it is organ and cello, which is a really evocative combination. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, the thing is, the thing I've realized is that I just think cellos sound really cool, and this will actually come up in the other thing I want to talk about, because I just think cellos are cool sounding. It's a cool instrument. Oh, I. Yeah. It is hard for me to think of an instrument that is more emotive to me than a cello. No, I, I 100% you know? agree. Yeah. And I think it's a combination. You know, I when I was studying music theory back when I was younger, the, you know, there was talk about like the reason cello resonates so much like with humanity is because it is the closest to the sound of a human voice of all of the instruments that we use because it's in that like range. It's got like the, the, the body and the emotion and the feel of a human voice, um, which I don't know if I buy that or not, but that's a thing that I've heard multiple times, but I do definitely agree that there is, there is a certain level of like, uh, 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 of, you know, emotional connection that you can have with cello as a sound, even more so than other string instruments in their in the same family. You know, like cello does more for me than a violin does. I don't know why, but it does. Oh yeah, I would agree. But anyway, so Ernst Ragesager is really great. He has done a ton of film soundtracks for all sorts of different movies, but the ones that I've gotten really into the last few weeks have been his work with Werner Herzog. Um, Herzog makes really great documentaries is the trick. He also, you know, shows up in movies and you're like, oh, you're the bad Imperial in the first season of the Mandalorian. And also one of the greatest living documentarians. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I mean, you know, Why not? It's multi-talented. He can, he can give us a, um, a film like cave of forgotten dreams. And also he can say, I would like to see the baby. Like <laughs> he's a man of, he's a man of, of many means, many talents. It's true. And then it's the true. the other thing that I would like to mention is that I blitzed through the entirety of Horizon Forbidden West and it, it and its expansion pack The Burning Shores in the last week. Oh, all right. Have, have you played the have you played the Horizon games at all? No, I oh, to my shame. I bought Horizon uh, what's the first one? Forbidden Dawn? Correct? Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn, yes. I bought Horizon Zero Dawn uh, years ago when I bought my PlayStation 4 Pro. Bought that, bought The Last of Us Remastered, bought the Uncharted collection, and then Uncharted 4, and the Uncharted side story. And, uh, you know, I was going to have a staycation, and that was my thing. I got this PlayStation. I was going to blast through a bunch of games. Uh, and I played the Uncharted sure. games, and that's the only one <laughs> that I played out of all of those. I fired up Horizon Zero Dawn once uh, and and thought it was cool, but then, I don't know, kind of moved on from it. And then, of course, being the idiot that I am, I bought it again on Steam because it's supposed to play oh. great on the Steam Deck. I bet. I, I still haven't played it. And I certainly haven't played the sequel, though I do want to, so. I will say, I will, I will try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible then if you have not seen it or have not seen them or played them. Yeah, I have not. 
I played her Zero Dawn pretty soon after it came out. I think it was the second game I ever bought for my PS4 because I bought a PS4 explicitly to play No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah. And I was one of those people. I was one of those people, but I was, I have to say, I was one of those people who was actually pretty happy with No Man's Sky as it was when it came out. Sure. Because it is weird and hostile and quiet and lonely, and I liked it. And I like it less now, even though the consensus among players is that it is a far better game than it was when it came out, which that's entirely possible from a, in a, from an objective standpoint there's a whole lot more to do there's a whole lot more to interact with there's social aspects to it it's got genuine multiplayer now all these sorts of things are objectively additive but i really liked the quiet lonely hostile nature of that first release of it so i really liked it Okay. But then the second game I bought from a PlayStation 4 was Horizon Zero Dawn, and I really loved it. I thought it was really, really special. I do... I, the thing about the Horizon games is I'm glad they, they clearly do well enough. Like, they clearly right. make PlayStation enough money that PlayStation's like, keep making these things. Because the third one is in production right now. The, mm-hmm. the end of a trilogy, which it needs to end because second one ends on a hell of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So they need to wrap this up. Um, you know, they just had the VR game for it come out last year, late last year, with the yep. PS VR 2. Um, but in both cases, they released in the same week as two of the most, like, formative games of the last decade. Horizon Zero Dawn came out the same day as Breath of the Wild, which That's I... Right. I will say right now, I could not give two shits about a Zelda game. You will never get me to play a Zelda game. I do not care about Zelda, and I will never care about Zelda. Okay, I got to interject I just, here. <laughs> I have to say thank you. I <laughs> Thank you. I have heard so many, I have had so many people over however many last freaking years tell me that I have to play Breath of the Wild, and I no. am so not interested no, I don't care. I just, I think, I know people think it looks great. I think it looks like ass. I don't think it looks good. I I think it goes for like a cell shaded style that does not work. I don't think it works. It still plays like garbage, even though it's a first party game built for the specific system. But because the Switch is such a piece of shit, it plays like garbage. And I bet that sequel that comes out in a few weeks is going to play even worse. I bet you will be lucky if you can get 20 frames per second on the reg in that thing. (laughs) Because it is, this Switch is a piece of crap and I do not want to play a big game, a 200 hour game on the Switch. Get out of town. So... I feel yeah. bad for Horizon Zero Dawn because it is a, I, I think, it looks like, to me, a better game than Breath of the Wild. But it's not Zelda, and people have been faffing over Zelda since Ocarina of Time and Link's Awakening. So it got overshined by what seems to me not a game worth overshining it. But yeah. neither here nor there. I think Zero Dawn is a really great video game. I thought it was really special when I played it the first time. I really love it. I think Aloy, the main character, is one of the all-timers in, like, main characters. And that largely comes down to the performance by Ashley Birch, who is incredible as Aloy in those games. Cool. Um, And then Forbidden West came out the same week as fucking Elden Ring. Yeah, that's true. So, like, and, like, don't get it twisted. I'm also not probably going to play Elden Ring again. I tried. I gave it 10 hours, and I was like, I see what it's doing. I respect what it's doing in a way that I will not respect Breath of the Wild. But I can't do this. I don't I don't, I don't have the aptitude for it, friends. <laughs> I, can't do, I can't do the Souls-like shit. I just can't. <laughs> yeah, I respect it. I respect the hell out of it, but I can't do it. My 18-year-old is obsessed. I, I don't know how many different builds he has gone through and how many new game plus, plus, pluses he's on yet. Uh, well, good for point. him. And he keeps he keeps telling me, he's like, Dad, you got to play it. Please, Dad, just come and play it. Please, just come and play it. And let me let me play it with me, and I'll walk you through what to do, and I'll help you. And I'm just like, uh, 
I have not right I now. have a stand I have a standing offer from a friend of mine who is like when you get that sucker on Steam finally because I own it for my Xbox and she said you buy it for Steam when it's on sale you let me know we will load up the cracked multiplayer mod and I will walk you through that game and like if I had someone who was good at it playing it with me not just telling me what to do but being there in person the whole game actually not just like let me summon you for this one boss fight no you're running around with me cool i'm in i'm in because i'm just bad at it but i respect it but forbidden west I'm, I, I play that game that game's got that game's got story difficulty when you give me easy <laughs> hard easy normal hard and story oh hello story difficulty you and me are gonna have a great week and so that's how i played it i played that the day it came out i bought it for my ps4 but then the uh this the expansion came out this last week and the expansion was ps5 exclusive which uh seems kind of shitty to me i'm not gonna lie um when the base game was cross uh cross uh platform it kind of sucks that the expansion which is a meaty decent sized expansion has some important story beats and also some very important character beats um which i'll maybe spoil a little bit if you don't mind but uh no not the story just the character beats um but i understand after playing it i'm like okay yeah this would have set my ps4 on fire i tried to play this i mean that sucker already trying to take off the jet engines roaring trying to keep i mean cool. the jet engines and that thing would roar all the time on a on a 2017 game but a 2023 game with that many people on the screen at once moving that was the problem they put too many people on screen at the same time and had them all need to move and that's uh, when games like to go no thanks but on that PS5, it still ran like butter. It ran wonderfully. I was very nice. impressed. But because I had played it initially on my PS4, I didn't have a save. I could just mm-hmm. start up and like get used to it. So I had so I had to. I had to sacrifice my time and play all of Horizon Forbidden West. Of and you know you what? Did. I had an even better time sense. the second time. Had an even better time. It's such a cool game. I love that game. Nice. And you know, I even I, you know, when I played it that first time, it was the week it came out, and like I wanted to get through the story, so I didn't do as much of the side quests, but this time I already knew the story. So I could take my time. I did a bunch of side quests, had a bunch of fun, got to like know a lot of the area a lot more. It's a much bigger map than the first game. To, in pluses and minuses, it's a little bloaty. The game is a little long, it's a little bloated. But I still think Forbidden West is really special. Um, and the Burning Shores, which is the expansion, like I say, does some really good character work with Aloy that makes her even more endearing to me as a character. Because, nice. like, I at, I clocked this in 2017. When I played that game for the first time, I was like, oh, Aloy, that girl's a lesbian. And then the game doesn't explicitly say anything like that. Does she, like, visibly wretch every time a man in the game expresses any sort of romantic or sexual interest in her? Yes. <laughs> but... You could still be like, well, maybe they're just not attra- she's just not attracted to that man. And it's like when the hottest dude in the entire game, the king of Meridian, is like, yo, Aloy, be my girlfriend. And she's like, <laughs> like, I, d- I don't think this woman is into men. Uh, and sure enough, in the sequel, it comes out that, you know, she's a lesbian. That, and it becomes pretty explicit in the expansion. You are able to start a relationship with a character if you so choose. And that character is also a woman. And it's really meaningful and it's really beautiful. And like a really like, because you've seen so much of Aloy's life at this point, especially her interactions with people because of the setup of the first game where she is an outcast of her society. Like you can see, oh, this is a very authentic uh, portrayal of first love and first crush and it's really sweet and really cute also some of those fights just really rip the the end boss battle of burning shores the expansion is the coolest fight that game ha- that either of those games has given you and is wild and again that fight too i was like oh that's why you needed a ps5 for this yep that is not PS4 could not do what is happening on the screen right now. So I really recommend it. 
and they're not too long in terms of like those big old open world games this is not assassin's creed odyssey another game i really love but it's 160 hours this is yeah yeah, it is that's a long game these are a solid 30 maybe 40 if you do a bunch of side stuff like this is a far more manageable sized game i love cassandra i spent 160 hours with cassandra it's too much it's too much it's too much oh yeah oh yeah no, definitely. I think by the time I finished, I was probably at like 180 uh, for, for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I fired up to do a new game plus. And then I was like, I don't know if I have nope. it in me to go through another <laughs> however yep. long. So It was really kismet. I was really feeling one of those open world games. And I even installed Odyssey on my PS5. And then a week later, it reminded me, hey, Burning Shores is coming out this week. And I was like... Do you know what I should do instead of playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey? I should play Forbidden West and its expansion. So that's what I did. Nice. Very good games. I really like them. They have some really high emotional highs. And like I, I, to bring it back to Cello, incredible soundtrack. The soundtrack in those games is so good and is anchored by one particular alto voice and a cello that those are the two stars of this soundtrack. And it's a, it's a great soundtrack. This sounds like a thousand. I, they're, they're incredible soundtracks. Um, nice. So they're good. Excellent. All right. So we should get on to the main event. Today, oh, as advertised last time, we are talking about the sequel to Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, Gamera 2, colon. What title should we give it? It has three. <laughs> I don't it has one it has one that really rules that is on the screen when you watch it and then that has another one over the top of it that is that a literal translation of the kanji and it's like the one that they that the movie put on the screen was better did you notice this no i i missed this the movie is titled literally gamera 2 attack of legion okay but the screen on it says in weird green letters behind the Gamera that's clearly part of the actual film, Gamera 2, Advent of Legion, which is a way cooler name. Oh, yeah, I totally missed that. So that's what I like to call it, is because that's what it says on the screen. I don't care if you want to translate it Attack of Legion. It's Advent of Legion. That is a cooler name. But go. anyway, we're talking about Gamera 2, Advent of Legion. What did you think of this one, Peter? Uh, I thought this was another fantastically fun movie. In fact, I think I like it more than the first one. Yeah, right. It's a oh, bang. Yeah. It's another banger. Well, you know, I, I, think... I feel like. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing I can trim out that silence, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, or you can I... leave it in and just let people, you know, be curious Wonder. to be like, who will break this detente? <laughs> So I think the thing for me is it felt a lot more, I mean, even though it's interesting, even though it was about the same length, it felt a lot tighter and a lot more yeah. focused. Uh-huh. So that made it a much, like it felt a lot shorter than the first one, but it still is, you know, around an hour and a half. Uh, but it, it, I don't know, it just, it felt less meandering. It, it felt more, focused it felt like they came into this one going in look okay so in in watching these two fairly close you know together a couple weeks in between uh-huh. i yeah. feel like the first one was these folks kind of saying we have this idea but we're we're kind of figuring it out as we go a little bit and yeah. with this one it feels like they came in and they were just like boom boots on the ground hit the deck run and they're like we know what we want to do let's go and uh, so i think that uh, again i've really enjoyed both of them but i think this one this one grabbed me a lot faster and moved it felt like it moved a lot quicker i'm with you i think i think that you're exactly right in that you know Guardian of the Universe, the first one, is the first Gamera movie in 15 years. You have to reintroduce. This is, you know, explicitly a new, uh, a, a new um, series that is not building off what has happened previously. So we've got to start from square one. Yep. There's a turtle man, and you've got to start from there. But like this one, being a sequel, can just 
hit the ground running. It can be like, you're coming into this. You better know who Gamera is. If you don't, you'll figure it out. He's a big turtle man. Yeah. But I don't need to set it up. Like, he will show up when he needs to and do the damn thing. And, like, I yeah, I feel like it starts a lot punchier. And you can see how there's it, – it's a bit more adult, I feel like, than the first one. Uh-huh. Um, not only just because it gets a lot creepier. This is a lot creepier than the first one. And a lot gorier, too. Oh, yeah. Like, this one gets pretty gory. Like, that scene early on... We'll go through the summary in a minute, but that scene on the uh, Train. the subway, the subway? is yeah. pretty freaking gross. <laughs> I um, think I wrote... And, I, I have a note that says, wow, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> Yeah, that is. I I just wrote yo, and because that was how I felt about it, because <laughs> it was a lot of blood. Um, but anyway, I am with you. I think that this is it builds on the foundation of of Guardian of the Universe, and just enhances it, like just builds upon it in a really wonderful way. Um, but before we talk about specifics, I'll do a quick plot summary. So it's been like a year since the Gamera versus Gauss fight in Japan. And you can tell that it has been a rough year. They have not rebuilt Tokyo Tower. It's no, still it even a still shambles. Has the nest. Yeah, like it is still in shambles. So obviously, like things have been rough. And then there's this media shower. And and in this meteor shower, a huge meteor plunges into the mountain snow. And then some security guards, like, oh, with a wonderful nod back to the first movie, these security guards at a Kirin Ichiban factory, a beer factory, hear some weird sounds and see this creature that, like, attacks the beer bottles and nearly kills them. And one of those security guards was our dear uh, our dear friend Nagasaki from the first movie, the, uh, the detective from the yeah, first he, film who has his life left has the police service <laughs> it's gotten worse and it will only oh, yeah. get worse from here i'm afraid buddy um but after that then there is this uh, you know attack in the subways of sapporo and a bunch of people on the subway car just get murked in extremely gory ways by these really creepy mono monocular like bug creatures that are about the size of a human uh-huh. um and then they're like you know scrambling around underground the uh the scientists come in and it is specifically these these two soldiers from the chemical school which is what their hats say and i'm like <laughs> i don't know what that is but i love that these two soldiers are wearing this hat that says chemical school <laughs> um yep. But so the chemical school soldiers come in and they like do some tests and there's like a ton of oxygen, like 80% oxygen in the atmosphere in the tunnel. And so they're like, what is going on down there? And eventually this enormous uh, pod erupts from a building um, and they realize that it is you know, metabolizing this highly um, increased amount of oxygen to hyper grow this huge like flower with a pod in the middle. Um, And they're like, what is going on? What are we going to do? And they're like, the oxygen levels are getting dangerous. We need to stop it. So they decide that, and you know, working with this woman who's from this like science center, the the Colonel Watarase from the self-defense force, the chemical school man is like, uh, and he and, and Hanami, who's the woman who's from the science center, they realize that this is a, for all intents and purposes, a biological launch pad. They're going to, you know, make this flower turn into a spaceship, catapulting its seed into space so that it can colonize some other planet out there. And they're like, what are we going to do? Um, and so they like try to set up a bomb to stop it. And that does not stop it. And it just gets closer and closer to where it's going to like blow up. And so Hanami in her science center has one of her coworkers like run a simulation. And they're like, if this goes off, it is going to create a blast crater that is six kilometers wide and destroy everything within this region. And so they're just like, what are we going to do? Like Sapporo's done. Like, this city will be gone. And then our wonderful turtle man comes back. He flies out of the ocean. 
He's got a cool new flying form where he holds his his arms out and they become more like wings. Uh-huh. Looks cool as hell. Um, and he just runs up on it and just like mercs it. Like right before it's going to explode, he just like gets there and does the dang thing. But then all of those little insects swarm onto his body and are like just attacking him and like eating into him and stuff. And like that's some of the coolest uh, suit work in this whole movie because they've clearly built a suit that is just covered with little bugs. Yeah. It was really cool. But eventually he like is covered with the bugs. He decides to fly into like spinning turtle mode and flies away with them. But his blood like splatters all over the city because they've done so much damage to him, Uh which again, super gory. Meanwhile, this huge legion oh and one of the soldiers names them legion you know in a a bible reference the bible reference you would think it would be if you name a uh you know a hive mind being legion Uh um but there's this queen that bursts out of the ground and flies off to try to start a second hive some uh soldiers shoot at it take off its wing but it lands they can't find anything but the wing Eventually, it makes its way to Sendai, blooms the flower again, Gamera shows up again, but the Legion Mother pops out of the earth before he can get there, and she is this big, nasty-looking monster, man. She's got, like, what, like, 12, 14, 18 legs, something like that? Yeah, and she's, you know, she's got these, like, big, spiky mandibles, and then she's got these, like, almost kind of upside down crab looking legs. Like in some ways she kind of looks like if you flipped a crab over and then stuck a face on the underside. Yeah. That's a good way to describe her. She's wild looking. Like the mother <laughs> yeah, legion is. is wild looking and she kicks Gamera's ass, man. Like she stabs into him so many times, like blood is flying oh, everywhere. Huge. gouts of green blood. She like her, face opens up and like laser blasts him in the shoulder and takes his entire shoulder off like completely removes his shoulder and a huge chunk of his shell and like makes very short work of him meanwhile they're trying to evacuate sendai and konomi the lady scientist is evacuated to these helicopters and gamera is stopping the mother legion from destroying the one helicopter that hasn't taken off and who is on that helicopter but our girl Asagi Asagi from the first movie is back and she is like uh I I still feel some sort of connection to Gamera like I can still sort of feel him through the Magatama but not really thankfully not as much as before because otherwise she would be in rough shape because he gets he gets his ass handed to him by the mother legion and then she just like goes off because she's like haha I've stopped him enough uh, he, he won't be able to stop the, uh, the plant ejection. He lumbers up and is able to get there just in time to knock it down before it would fly off into space, but it still explodes and they oh, yeah. completely annihilate the entire city of Sendai. Oh yeah. And Gamera as well. Out. It was, I had forgotten. I haven't seen this movie in probably five or six years. I had forgotten how much they go for it in this movie. They destroy the entirety of Sendai. Oh, yeah. They crater that entire town. It's a level. It is a level of like municipal destruction. I don't know that I have seen in a kaiju movie before. Like, I mean, I so seen last time you shared with me that clip from Shin Godzilla and I was like, holy crap. That's pretty bad. I mean, he is just like devastating this you know this city but there are still buildings standing when he's done with that and this is there's the, nothing like you said, done this is die. a crater i mean it, it is, is a, a six four yeah, kilometer, four mile, six wide, kilometer crater. wide freaking crater with gamera just like with gamera's corpse sitting in the middle of it yeah it's brutal and so obviously the military is like great whoops don't know what we're going to do now. So they try to figure out how they're going to stop Legion because at this point they're like two of these launches have been unsuccessful. So obviously these, this creature is going to be like 
extra um really needing the feeling the biological imperative to get this to finally go you know i can't think of the word in english but like they're feeling this like absolute feeling of doing the thing they realize that electromagnetic sources are kind of what seem to attract the legion creatures um but because they're uh, attracted to electromagnetic sources, obviously they're going to keep going from city to city and bigger city to bigger city and bigger city. So next they're headed to Tokyo, of course. And so they decide to try to set up some cordons to stop Mother, Mother Legion on her way to Tokyo. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Asagi and Honomi go to Sendai where Gamera's body lies there and her and a bunch of kids and moms are all like basically sitting there praying to Gamera, praying Mm -hmm. that he will come back to life, praying that he will somehow survive this. And sure enough, like he collects like the energy and is able to like shock himself back to life. But in that moment, the Magatama that Asagi carries shatters in her hand. So he has awakened, but at the sacrifice of what was left of his human connection. Yep. So he's completely disconnected from humanity at this point, but he still has got to stop the mother Legion. So he shows up to stop her. He's back. He's back at full power. She spawns a bunch, a bunch of the Legion soldiers, insects at him. Um, but the other guy who worked at the science center does this really smart thing where he has this specific power plant turn their, like their power up all the way at the certain frequency that will attract all of the little baby legions. So that's what they do is instead of attacking Gamera, they all fly to this, uh, this power station, which then the JSDF, uh, blow it up with, uh, with some rockets or whatever. So the little ones are taken care of. In the meanwhile, Gamera really, really, like, is trying to get to the Mother Legion, but she's got too many, she's got too many fingies, too many claws, and he can't get close enough to her because she just keeps stabbing at him. And so, thankfully, finally, the, there's always got to be an asshole general who's like, I don't trust a monster. Finally, the asshole general was like, okay, I guess let's help the monster. So they blow <laughs> off a bunch of her claws and then Gamera is able to like get in close enough and he tears the horn off of her face so that she can't do her weird laser blast anymore. Well, he tears like one off each side. Cause it was like this triangle thing. Cause when yeah, he, it would like pop open. Yeah. Cause he like steps back and he's got one big horn in each hand. I kind of wanted him to like jump on her and like just shank her with both of her horns, but it was last. very cool though when he had one in each hand and then just like one at a time like tosses them to the side. Oh yeah, and then like is like bring it. Unfortunately, she does bring it because suddenly instead of having a laser blast come out of her face, now she's got like energy whips that like <laughs> stab through Gamera and are start like start kicking his butt like. It is bad. Like he is getting just like perforated over and over and over and over and over again. And like things are going very, very poorly. And at the last second, Gamera looks into the sky and roars and like all of the life energy starts radiating towards him and like appears upon him right as Mother Legion is closing in. And then his fucking chest pops open and it turns into the biggest cannon on the planet and he blows Mother Legion to pieces (laughs) because his chest opens into a cannon. Hey, he leveled up while he was in his meditation absorbing the the motes of fire from the, you know, vigil kept around him in Sendai. Yeah, man. And then he just looks at the humans and like half the humans like uh, like salute him. And he's just like, I don't care about you guys anymore. And he flies away. And obviously they're like, okay, so. And, and it ends, you know, going back to a, a small theme of the first movie, it ends with like, so he is here to protect the earth. That's what he does. We are ruining the earth. So what happens when he figure that out? And that is how the movie ends with the two scientists being like, 
yeah, that's a problem because we <laughs> are ruining the planet. And at some point he's going to realize it's us. Uh-huh. And it's like, they're the Taylor Swift song. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It's not going to go good for us when Gamera figured that out. And that is where the movie ends. It's really a cool movie. It's really cool. <laughs> I think that really the, cool. uh, you know, I previewed this last time. I think that the Mother Legion suit is miles ahead of the Giaus suit in its design. It is so oh, much weirder yeah. and cooler and like just otherworldly in a way. Oh, definitely. No, it's it's way, and better, like, way better. And also the like tiny legions with their mono eyes and like there's this one scene where they like do try to do an autopsy of the tiny legions and they don't have muscles. They're hydraulic they, or actually they're, they're not even hyd- really hydraulic. It's more like air that they're gushes like, at them, but they, the, at least the sub said hydraulic, but I was like, well, that's not liquid. It's more like gas, but that's cool. Yeah. They seem to have like gas pistons inside of them instead of muscles, which is really a cool, like conceit. And like, they clearly feed off of silicon, which is why they like eat glass and like, uh, devices that have silicon uh, chips in them and things like that. So it's like they really went all was out. was made in 1996 because man, like, you know, not everybody in the subway got ganked by these uh, little things. Only the ones yeah. that had like radios and stuff. Now did everybody be fucked? Everyone. Like, everyone's dead. <laughs> everyone. Everyone's got 17 silicon devices at them at once. <laughs> Right. It's like, oh, we need we need to get rid of any and all silicon. Oh, oops, my phone, my Fitbit, my watch, my other phone. <laughs> it's a problem. It is. A problem. Uh, yeah, I just, I just think this is a really good one. It's just another real banger of a movie. <laughs> well, you know, the thing that kind of surprised me is, I mean, these were only released like what one year apart from each other, right? Yep, it was. And it was about a year between the two. And I, again, I felt like there was a significant level up in a a lot of aspects between the first movie and this one. And so you felt more like kind of a, oh, with, with how much better things were in a lot of different ways, this felt to me like this was, you know, three to four years in between that they'd been working on this. So I was super impressed that it really was just like, I mean, it almost feels like they released the one and they were probably already filming the second or very shortly after it got released, they'd started filming because not a lot of time between them. Yeah, probably. I And like, even down to uh, like the suit is so much better. It like the su- there's subtle changes in this the Gamera suit between number one and number two, but I think that those changes are significant because oh, he is meaner looking in this movie from the start. He is less cute. He is a lot meaner looking. His like ridges on his head are more pronounced. His face just looks more angular and uh like. His eyes are a little bit smaller and his uh, his elbow claws are like always out now and his his uh, uh, shell is pointier. Like he's just meaner looking. I don't know how else to describe the way that he looks, you know? Yeah. And I think that that is it. It, it, it speaks to kind of what he is like in a, as as a as an as an entity, as a character in this movie where like. He is not, he does not have this connection with humanity. He is not the friend of the children in this one. He does protect, but he does it in a more brutal way and like is just more businesslike, you know? Like, definitely. He's, he's just meaner. And I really like that. And I think that I'm very excited to see what you think about the suit design in number three, because that evolution of Gamera's look continues. Nice. So I'm very well, I'm curious looking forward to see to what it you think because, about it. You know, like we talked about last time, these types of movies have never really been, I mean, again, I loved Godzilla as a kid uh, in the way that like every kid, I mean, like, Really? Doesn't every kid love Godzilla to some degree? If they don't, there's a I don't know how I don't know how you don't. 
I don't either. I don't know how you so don't. I loved Godzilla in in that way, but it isn't something that I would say in the last, like, honestly, 30 plus years has really been uh, something that, you know, I mean, I kind of watched the, the Matthew Broderick, whatever Godzilla and once and didn't really need to see it again, whatever. But like, so coming into this, not with that history of Mm -hmm. any strong affinity for these movies or these types of movies, I personally have been amazed and impressed at how just utterly enjoyable these are. I mean, they're just a ton of fun. I mean, so much fun in some ways, ridiculous and over the top. But again, the thing that shines through here and I'm making assumptions But at the very least, these don't feel, these two movies do not feel like movies that were made with the idea of how much money are we going to make on these movies? They feel like movies that were made with, we, again, homage to those classic monster movies, those classic kaiju films, where somebody who really freaking loves those movies said, hey, Gamera hasn't had a movie in a while. Let's do him right. And yeah, I mean, how can you not love a movie where you just feel through the filmmaking and through so many different aspects that the people who are making this like this, this is something that like, it's important to them. It's not just, Oh, well the last one made money. So let's shit out another one, you know? Yeah. Uh huh. So uh, just also, I just, I, it needs to be said that, um, the writer of these movies also wrote Ghost in the Shell. Oh. There you so go. So I didn't know that. I literally did not know that until right now. But the guy who wrote Ghost in the Shell is also the guy who wrote this trilogy of Gamera movies. So it's really no surprise how much I like these Gamera movies. <laughs> <laughs> it makes but, sense. Yeah, no, I, it's all coming together I, now. I, I agree with you that like, and they didn't make, like they made okay money. Like, I'm looking looking at their Wikipedia pages. They don't list the budgets for two and three, but they do list the box office. But number one cost $4.5 million to make and made six. So like sure. not, we're not talking about a lot of money being made here. Like $6 million right. on a four point, a, a return of one and a half million is not good money per se, but good enough to justify making a second and third. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the it seems like the uh, budgets have either at the very least been the same, if not a little higher. Um, and they do end up making a little bit more and more money by the time they go on. I think Gamera 3 makes 15 million when it's all said and done. So, again, not not big money. How much did the last Godzilla movie cost to make? Like $300 million? But that's also because, you know, they had like 8000 you know, FX people slaving right. away, working too hard for not enough money to like make all of those digital effects instead of it being a very cool three monster suits that they could switch in and out of. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I, I think it's a really good one. Um, I loved uh, some of the things that I really enjoyed in this movie that are worth mentioning. I love when the two where the, when the soldier and the scientist go to the lady scientist's house and her dad, who's like, she, she lives with her parents above like the pharmacy that her parents clearly run. And her dad is like, trying to be like, why are these men going up into her room? And the mom keeps be like yanking him back as he tries to be like suspicious father mode. And she's Uh like, our daughter is an adult and is doing her job. Leave them alone. <laughs> and, has and then, you know, booze. a little, yeah. And then, a, you know, a little later he like is trying to sneak up the stairs. And again, the mom is like, no, you're staying down here. Stop being a weirdo. <laughs> yep. So I really loved, I really loved Hanami's mom. I thought that she was great. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I really liked that. I really, uh, love the scene when Gamera lands after his, uh, his reincarnation essentially and he like 
Tokyo drifts after he lands while he's shooting <laughs> fireballs at the mother. Oh Legion. yeah. He just like, like this power slide as he's like cruising around blast and stuff at my, at the Legion. Oh yeah. No, definitely. It was, it was very cool. And granted, maybe we shouldn't call it a Tokyo drift because it did technically take place in, um, uh, Chicago. So I guess it's not Chicago drift and not a Tokyo drift, <laughs> but still <laughs> it was very cool. Um, yeah, I just, I, I just think that this one is very fun and builds in so many ways on what we saw before and is just a really, really solid second entry in what we know is a trilogy and like is, is, is just a very good entry there that sets up a lot of stakes that I'm curious to see. I, I've seen it before, but I'm curious to talk about how they pay off things like, the final connection between Gamera and humanity is broken. What happens when humanity is the, maybe the bad guy? Like mm-hmm. these are the sorts of questions that revenge of Eris, which we'll be watching for the next episode, try to answer, which nice. I think that ad is great that they're like, these are the stakes that we have set up in the previous films. Let's pay them off. Yep. No, that sounds cool. So very excited to get there in a couple of weeks. No, these, like I said, these were surprisingly fun movies that, um, I find in some ways, again, very endearing, uh, and, and have really enjoyed. It's been a blast. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of these movies and I think that they're very good. I am very trepidatious about the Gamera Rebirth series that is coming out on Netflix. I don't know if I mentioned this last time or if it was just in my brain. I, A, I hate that it is a animated tv show just uh, put some dudes in some suits brothers like yeah you had you've had this figured out since the 50s put some dudes in some plastic <laughs> um but hey i to be fair i was feeling i earlier today i was like you know i was on the the kaijupedia like looking at different you know things about the different suits that they built for these different gamera movies just because i was curious about it and i didn't think it would necessarily need to come up on the podcast or anything but then i was reading about the gamera rebirth which is this series of of uh i think they're they're presenting them as like short films rather than like a series of tv episodes but it's just Uh. If it's six, if it's six 20 minute short films, those are six TV episodes. Give it a break. But, <laughs> yes, uh, I agree. I don't care. I don't care how you want to, uh, class it up. It's a TV show and it's 20 minutes long. Um, I have been feeling really trepidatious about it because like I, th- they made three entire Godzilla anime movies set 25,000 years in the future with the biggest monsters that they've ever had in a kaiju movie ever. Like the Godzilla in that movie is like 500 meters tall. Like it's absurd because they, they've abandoned the earth because 25,000 years in the future and they ruined the planet. And so the entire earth has been taken over by this megafauna and Godzilla is the largest thing on the planet, but they suck. They're really, really boring. And so and they and they don't even have because it's all anime it doesn't even have the like charm of being tokusatsu of being people in suits because a lot of the showa era gamera movies are not very good like the original gamera eight movies are not very good but they're fun to watch because it is still clearly a dude in a very silly looking suit so like i'm still having a good time but when it's (laughs) When it's animated, just like, you know, I was talking about the, I like the legendary movies okay, but I they would be better if it was a guy in a suit. And like, I think that the anime Godzilla trilogy would be better if it was a dude in a suit. And so I was really trepidation about this, trepidatious about this Godzilla Rebirth series of episodes. But the guy who they have directing it directed a very short film that's like, four or five minutes long for the like 50th anniversary of Gamera, like five or six years ago. Uh And it whips. It is, it uses CG Gamera and Gauss in it, but then has live action people, which I don't think is what the show is doing, which is a shame. They should do that because it works really well in this like five minute short film that they made. But like that five minute short film whipped. And I was like, okay, if this is the guy who's making your Gamera anime movie, 
I'll give it a try, because this was a really fun thing to watch for five minutes. So we'll see. We'll see. That's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, like I say, the, these, uh, again, I don't know what to say other than just these are fun movies. And again, they're, fun. they're all on Amazon Prime. So if you haven't watched them, if we didn't convince you last time, I'm going to say it again. Go watch them. They're fun. She, her face opens up and turns into a laser blast. And then she shoots red, like, spear bands through Gamera. Yeah, like it's wicked. She, gores, she gores him a million times with energy whips. That's dope. It is. His, his belly opens up and turns into a nuclear reactor bomb. <laughs> it's so true. That part was just wild. I loved it. <laughs> that is the first time I, I thought, because I saw these movies and Gamera the Brave, which is the 2006 movie, and which is genuinely very good. Like, I think that Gamera the Brave is very good. It's a, it's a lot, it's a lot less serious than this trilogy is, but I still think it's very good. And so I had seen those long before I saw the Showa era movies, and they also deal with Godzilla or Godzilla Gamera's belly opening up and turning into laser blast. So I thought that was just like a thing Gamera does. No, no, no. This is the first time. The one we just watched, that's the first time that ever happened. Huh. But I thought that was just like indelible to the character, but only because that was the things I saw first. <laughs> but anyway, it's fun. And we'll be back in two weeks to talk about Gamera 3 Revenge of Eris, which is the finale of this trilogy. And we will see how it all wraps up. Very cool. I'm looking forward to it, truly. Me too. It's, uh, if I remember, it's my favorite of the three. It's okay. really good. Good to so, know. We'll see if that holds up. But in my memory, it was, they got better as they went along and peaked with G3. So... Hopefully right. that's true. So we okay. will be back in we'll two weeks to talk about that. And uh, if you have any questions for us, you can email us at feedback at the middle of culture.com. Or if you just have comments, you'd like to, us to read on air, let us know. Um, if you want pointers about what Kaiju you watched all three of these and you're like, what should I watch next? Let me know, baby. I got you. I got you. I will personally sit down and say, what do you like? Why do you like it? So I know exactly what movie to recommend to you next. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is personalized service, right? I am here. I, I'm the Kaiju whisperer and I will give you the media that you will enjoy. Speaking of the, the trailer for the new Godzilla movie came out this last week. And I was like, who is this large orangutan man? I haven't seen it. I'll have to check it out. There's a large orangutan man sitting on a throne in front of the skulls of Godzilla and King Kong. Oh, I did not. I did not. Hey, I did not expect them to make a sequel to Godzilla versus Kong. Cause I thought that movie did not do very well. So I did not think we were getting a fourth movie in the series. Yeah. Happy to be wrong about that because I thought that movie was dumb and fun, <laughs> but I, I really like Godzilla 2014. I think it's really solid even if there should have been more Brian Cranston and less Aaron Taylor Johnson, but whatever. I did not like Godzilla King of the Monsters very much. I think that movie is dog shit. Okay. So I was like, no, I mean, you should, you watch it because you watch them, but it's not a good one. It's a very bad one. It's one okay. of the worst ones, except it does have Vera Farmiga as a very evil mom in it. And it's always good when Vera Farmiga is a very evil mom. Um, you know, as you know, we've talked many times about Hawkeye. She's great as an evil mom in Hawkeye. So. She is. She is. She's fantastic. Also, also unrelated, but worth saying right as we're wrapping up here. I saw on Twitter the other day her performing with a cover band, a Slipknot song, and she was incredible. I saw that uh, some metal page I follow on Instagram shared it, and I didn't go and watch the the video yet, but I did see that. It was incredible. And I was just like, damn, I know if I need an evil mom or a backup singer for Slipknot, yeah, I know who to call. Vera Farmiga it is. Fantastic. So she was the only real highlight of Godzilla King of the Monsters. What is his name? The dude from Friday Night Lights plays the dad. He's terrible in that movie. He's just terrible. And like the monster fights are not that good. They destroy Boston. Who cares about Boston? boston getting destroyed good riddance come on stop it no i love boston 
That's a joke. I like I like Boston. <laughs> I like Boston just fine, but it was a that's, that's a deep cut. Like in our yeah, it in our live action American Godzilla movies, we have destroyed New York in the Master Broderick film. We destroyed San Francisco in and and Honolulu, but that was like fifteen minutes. Really, we destroyed San Francisco in uh, Godzilla twenty fourteen, and then they destroyed Boston. Yeah, no, Boston doesn't like quite stack up cut. to those. Yeah, no, no, no it question. It really doesn't. And then, to be fair, Godzilla versus Kong, the big climactic fight, Hong Kong. That's a good place to have a big climactic fight between some monsters. That's true. That's true. So we'll see. Godzilla versus Kong, very dumb, very fun. The Earth is hollow. Monsters live inside of it. Why not? Let's go with it. <laughs> Let's okay. go with it. <laughs> you had my attention. Now I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm saying the earth is hollow. There are big monsters that live inside of it. King Kong's ancestors had a throne in there and he finds their ax there. And it's very cool. <laughs> Fantastic. His ax is made from a Godzilla spine. Oh, cause why wouldn't it be? Of course. Why wouldn't it? Anyway, I love Godzilla movies. I love Gamera movies, big monsters, flesh mashing. Give it to me. <laughs> but we will wrap we'll wrap here thank you all for listening we'll be back in two weeks with gamma 3 revenge of Eurus. and until then have a great time it's going to be exciting 